Why did the pharmaceutical cross the road? To get to the other side effect. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of, uh, you know, a, a clown. Your show is better when you had medical questions. Hey! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! It's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, a traditional Chinese medical practitioner who gives me street cred with the wacko alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And we also have in the studio PA Lydia. We're going to talk to her in a little bit about the uh, Project Argo. Task Force Argo. God dang it, I get it wrong every time. <laughs> this is a show for people who would never listen to a medical show on the radio or the internet. If you have a question you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, or if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347-POOHEAD. Follow us on Twitter at Weird Medicine or at drscottwm. Visit our website at drsteve.com for podcasts, medical news, and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything you hear with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your doctor, nurse practitioner, practical nurse, physician assistant, pharmacist, chiropractor, acupuncturist, yoga master, physical therapist, clinical laboratory scientist, registered dietitian, or whatever. See, if you screw up, you just keep doing it and make it look like you meant to do it. Uh, don't forget stuff.drsteve.com for all your holiday shopping needs. Uh, stuff.drsteve.com. If you go there, you can click right through to Amazon uh, and shop there, or you can scroll down and see all the stuff we talk about on this show. That really helps keep us on the air, to be honest with you. Also, uh, if you need some stocking stuffers, please don't forget tweakedaudio.com. Use offer code FLUID, F-L-U-I-D, for 33% off. Uh, the best earbuds on the market for the price and the best customer service anywhere. And uh, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. So, P.A. Lydia, did you notice I said physician assistant, not physician's assistant? I did. Thank you for were not you, being possessive. Were you delighted by that? I was impressed and delighted. <laughs> I, yes, I said it wrong. If we you just read the bio. For oh, we had a, oh, sorry, uh, uh, Sid. Um, I had a, my partner who started this show with me was a P.A., P.A. John. And I said physician's assistant for years, and he never said a word. After he left and became BM John, he became a brewmaster, uh, then uh, he'd been gone for some time. And uh, uh, one of our listeners called and said his wife got mad every time she listened to the show because I said a physician's assistant. So, yeah, so I, I've, I learned my lesson on it. So you can teach an old dog new tricks. 
So anyway, so yes, so welcome physician assistant Lydia. And uh, don't forget to check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net, simplyherbals.net. So uh, Lydia, before we get into the hilarity that is our Halloween um, uh, edition of the show, uh, let's talk a little bit about why you're here. And so we got talking, I don't even, how in the hell did we start talking about this? You sort of reached out to me about this, and this is something I'm actually very interested in. Yeah, so I actually reached out to you because uh, I was trying to get to Joe Rogan. Oh, that's <laughs> what it no was. I had no idea yes, that yes. you had a radio show, other yeah, than it's... the fact that you were at perhaps one time in radio. Right, right, and right. And so ultimately I was given uh, your clearance to learn about your radio show, and thank <laughs> you very much for having me here. Yeah, just keep it on the DL. Absolutely, absolutely. Because what I do is if someone at work finds out about this or if I need to tell them about it, the first thing I do is have them come on the show so they've got as much to lose as I do. Well, (laughs) we're even. (laughs) So, but anyway, yeah. uh, So, yes, you you knew I used to have a connection with Joe Rogan, and uh, I haven't talked to Joe in ages. He used to have my phone number when we went to see him in Asheville. He called me to see if I got the free tickets that he didn't leave for us at the will call office, which was hilarious. I said, you know, we were sitting in our seats. Thank God I had bought tickets. And then he called me and he's like, Doctor, you know, Steve, did you get the tickets I left for you? And it's like, what tickets? They didn't know. They looked at me like I was an idiot. And he, well, you know, Joe's a stoner. So he just, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, Might have been his prank for you. Anyway. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. It was, it was quite funny. But, um, uh, but yeah, since he went to Spotify and then we just kind of haven't talked to each other in a while. But I do. Still, every once in a while, I uh, have a connection with Brian uh, Redban, uh, who is, I don't want this to be turned into a hostile workplace kind of situation since we do work together, but um, he knows that I am an expert on the science behind female ejaculation. So, and, um, oh wait, oh, that's the wrong drop. No, I wanted this one. So, uh, and this keeps coming up, whether it's urine or is it something else, and I've done the science on it, and I've discussed it on multiple radio shows and stuff, and whenever it comes up again in the news, Brian Redman will say, Dr. Steve covered this ages ago, which is cool. It's really cool of him to do that. So, uh, but anyway, so what you were interested in talking to him about is something he should talk to you about, and it's this thing, Task Force Argo. So uh, most people have seen the movie Argo, which I'm assuming that's where this got its name. So just tell us a little bit about Task Force Argo and your involvement in it. Yeah, so I guess everyone hopefully is aware, or at least was aware at one time when it was in the media, uh, about Afghanistan and the Taliban. Yeah, you just stole one of the jokes I was going to have. You thought it was over, right? Done? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's gone. uh, I thought this was uh, taken care of. We've been told, at least by the media, isn't covering it anymore. That there were people left in Afghanistan? I'm shocked. Shocked. I know. (laughs) I think around uh, August 31st, there were supposed to be less than 100, but... uh, What's the real number? Oh, uh, hundreds. I mean, I personally know of about 70 U.S. citizens and green card holders. Okay. So we're not talking... Tens of thousands of people. 
Not that that I'm I, yeah. I'm not trying to minimize anything, but we're talking we're, we're down into the hundreds to low thousands at this point. I would say that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So yeah. th- that's a good place to start. We don't want to leave anybody behind. So sure. tell us tell us tell us about this. Yeah, Sorry, so, I keep interrupting. You. And I, and so it, it's a volu- completely volunteer effort. Uh, a great mix of veterans, people in the intelligence community, law enforcement folk, uh, who have essentially started uh, a digital Dunkirk, you know, where we're evacuating people uh, through our computers and through our cell phones. Okay. Uh, So we have this huge network uh, where we're able to connect 24-7 on messaging apps and arrange these gigantic evacuations. You know, we arrange... uh, mass transit of people between cities how uh can you say or should you uh, not say so it's a it's a collaboration between people who are on the ground in afghanistan Mm -hmm. uh, and people in america yeah so there's funding involved and then uh ultimately we're able to connect with all of our refugees or the people who need evacuation so whether they're u.s citizens uh, green card holders, their families, or allies, yeah. so people who have worked with the United States government and are now at risk uh, for being beheaded oh, by yes. the Taliban. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the the lay volunteers, which there are about 200, well, 160 of us in Argo right now, uh, are in com- constant communication with the families or the people who need to be evacuated, mm-hmm. and then our leaders are able to arrange uh, different transit and housing, and so... Are you uh, all chartering the planes and stuff too we are yeah so we work through an airline uh achieve funding which has been the most difficult thing of late because we do not get any help from that from the state department yeah um for various reasons yeah so once we achieve the funding we are able to coordinate efforts uh, through the airline company and uh we have all of the people's documents. We put them on a manifest. That manifest uh, was already vetted by us, mm-hmm. so we know we're not bringing terrorists to <laughs> outside <laughs> of Afghanistan. And then that's sent to the State Department for final clearance, and then they're evacuated to a lily pad country for further processing. Okay, so do you have planes on the ground in Afghanistan, or they have to get across the border somehow to then get flown out? Uh, it is, so uh, we primarily partner with an airline company that uh, will land in Afghanistan, and so we fly out of Afghanistan wow. to another country. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. How'd you get involved in this? I saw a fa- So I saw a Facebook post, right, at yeah. a time when a ton of veterans, like I knew a veteran who actually committed suicide over this, who yeah. had spent a lot of time in Afghanistan and knew that the people that he worked with, mm-hmm. his, trans- his interpreters, were being beheaded um, and had essentially no hope that the U.S. government would honor the, the promise to get them out um, for, for many reasons, right? It's perhaps not all malicious. Um yeah, well, I'm assuming it's not malicious. It's just there are other words for it. Yeah. So anyway, I saw a post saying, hey, if anyone needs or if anyone could uh, give a little time and help with some paperwork uh, for Afghans who need to get out mm-hmm. or U.S. citizens who need to get out, you know, send a signal to this number. And uh, I had no idea what signal was, so I just texted the number and said, this is a signal that I am here to help. <laughs> right? Uh, which, signal being it, the secure app. Uh, yeah. Right. Which, uh, you know, Encrypted there, there, app there are the... various apps that are utilized. So um, yeah. anyway, I ultimately figured out what encrypted apps were. And now I'm in this world. So I got in and I very quickly realized that these people are in communication with people at the 
Kabul airport who are trying to get through gates and being beaten and and tear gassed by the Taliban, uh, U.S. citizens. And so quickly realized this is not paperwork. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And not just it's not playtime. No. I mean, you're committing to something that's real. Absolutely. And I I think there are four of us civilians in the group right now. There might be a a couple more. uh, But at the time, I was one of the only civilians or at least someone who was not married to someone in the military. So uh, the the mil speak or military speak is really fascinating. Yeah, lots of acronyms. and Yeah. Yeah. They very kind explained them so now I would really like to just use the word coffee and Ro- and Roger and Wilco <laughs> in everyday life but I, ca- I can only do that in my See, I assumed you were apps. a veteran when I first heard you talking about this because no. you have picked up some of that uh, a lot of it yeah yeah because yeah, yeah. yeah, it's 24/7 yeah so. Wow yeah. so then I quickly got a family of my own to shepherd or be a handler for mm-hmm. and um, after a series of very crazy setbacks was eventually able to get he and his family uh, to Abu uh, to another to another country. They're okay. in Abu Dhabi right now. Wow! So wow! Yeah. Well done. Maybe one of those. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, I mean, we're talking about real human beings. Sure. And it's you think of it's just hard to imagine. We in this country we have no idea, and the thing is. What's scary to me, and because we were there, what, 20-some years, right? Yeah, 20 years. There are people that were born there that are now 20 years old that have never known anything different than what they had. And now this is a big shock. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's uh, most of the people uh, are pretty young that are getting out so yeah. or that are trying to get out. So, I mean, these are people having having babies. We've had several women have babies during this where we're arranging their medical care and sending midwives over. And at the same time, you know, that first family that I mentioned, they had a two-week-old son with bullets in Patigo. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to tell them, hey, I need you to get on this mode of transportation, go over some mountains, and go sit in a, in a place that is unfamiliar to you for two weeks in, in one room yeah. until I can get you out, yeah. right? And, and get your baby formula. And you're doing this directly. Yeah. It's not like... You're just raising money, and they oh, funnel no. it, and I'm, somebody I'm, else is doing I'm, work. I'm You're chatting, doing this I'm stuff. chatting with them. Uh, they they call my cell phone, text constantly. I'm, uh, you know, when they get when I have to tell them, sorry, the plane's not going to take off today because of some yeah. problem with the Taliban. Taliban's fighting one another, and you know we have to delay a whole another day. We go back to the family and say, I'm sorry, you have to yeah. stay in this room another mm. day. Mm. You know, we'll try to keep you safe another day. And they say, God, maybe it's supposed this is to be a fate. comedy show. Sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, no, it's okay. This is this is the real deal. Yeah. And it's not just the Taliban, of course. It's you know, ISIS-K. You got ISIS-K and sure. Yeah. So uh, it's a uh, poverty. Very interesting and poverty. We just, had uh, there was know. a two-year-old that recently starved to death. Um, where our team member just had no idea that the family was was hungry, and yeah. so there's a big initiative right now to support getting blankets for people. Yeah, um, we're constantly trying to find safe houses uh, because the Taliban does frequent raids throughout all the districts and looks for anyone with any involvement or ties to America. Hmm. And if they find that, it is not good. Yeah. So when do we know that the job is done? Well, that's a little bit difficult, right? Because we yeah. can't get everyone out of Afghanistan. So can, can that we would not? be nice. Apparently not. Okay. Uh, 
You know, there are a finite number of people who qualify for the special immigrant visas. There are a finite number of relatives of American citizens. Uh, so uh, we are hopeful that there would be some endpoint. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So if people want to help with this, let's say they don't necessarily want to be on WIC or texting with somebody trying to get them out, but it, they want to <laughs> help. Yeah. You know, what, what do they do? So... First thing, we just started trying to to get some support for after people get out. So we're, we're trying to build up some immigration attorneys. So feel free to contact uh, taskforceargo.com. Uh, there's, a, there's a contact page there or a contact link there if you'd be willing to help with some of these families. Um, and then the second would be certainly to donate because all of the funds, you know, whether it goes through a 501, what is it, 501-3C or something? Yeah, I don't know. One of those things. For financial people, anyway, tax deductible, but all of the funds go specifically to getting to supporting our allies okay. and American citizens, uh, keeping them safe until we can get them. So the no hell one's out. on salary. No, it's it's completely volunteer. <laughs> this is the the worst job I've ever had. <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. You know, if you have a a, a uh, cause where you know. 20% is going somewhere and the rest is going to salaries and those kinds of things. You're less inclined to to um, uh, to donate. Scott, can you put up the screen that has um, Lydia's information on it? I think it's the regular two-shot for the people who are I watching. I drive. But, um, yeah, so www.taskforceargo.com. Taskforceargo.com. And I guess you can just donate money if, sure. if that's your thing if that's your thing you can donate and energy. you can actually get involved too i mean they're do they are are they looking for uh, mainly mundanes look, to actually help uh mainly looking for <laughs> immigration attorneys interested in interested okay. in pro bono work <laughs> right, right now okay yep uh not really we, we have a, a lot of very good volunteers and uh it takes a while to to train and i think we're okay on that right now okay all right cool all right. Awesome. What else you sure. want to say about it? You said you had a hilarious story. I mean, it's funny now. <laughs> it a, might have made put on me your like laughing caps. Everyone. Think I was gonna like die at the time. So uh, back when I was an, an, a newbie at this in August, we were, you know, I had this this first family, and several people had been doing it for a couple of weeks. But I was very nervous, and and so I have this guy, this newborn baby that's got you know, bullus impetigo. Uh, the mom isn't producing milk. Tell people what bullus impetigo So is. he essentially had a, a staph infection in his groin and these huge abscesses. Mm. Newborn baby, uh, you know, there's a little bit of a stigma even in America about breastfeeding, and the mom wasn't able to breastfeed. And so I was convincing him, hey, your kid's not gaining weight at this point. Like, you got to yeah. go get some formula. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, he did. You know, I just explained to him, man, not every woman can breastfeed. Yeah. So... A little bit taboo to talk to talk with him about his wife uh, breastfeeding, but we did it yeah. anyway. So just a difficult kind of situation, and he was very scared to leave because uh, I was asking him to travel to a faraway city and essentially wait somewhere for a plane that we may or may not have, you right. know. But uh, also, if he were if if Taliban came to knock on his door, he would be a goner, yeah. right? So anyway, I finally uh, convinced him to go, and then uh, unfortunately there was no seat on the bus for him. So I had to say, God, I'm really sorry, but you waited too long. Uh, you, you know, we can't take you right now. 
Then a bus uh, seat finally opened up, right? So I'm like, okay, you got to get your wife, get your baby, and get out of there. And so, so someone is telling you how many seats are on this bus. Yeah, we have a list for everything. Okay. Oh and, and I, you know, you send out a it's passcode. It's really well organized. It's extremely well organized. Man, these, these women. Because that's the only way to do it, and I would men, assume. You know. We call them the Holy Trinity at the top or mm. the mean women. They're like these three women that run the show. There are some guys, too. But anyway, they're so organized. Uh, so they give us the passcodes and, and the coor- GPS coordinates to share with everyone. So anyway, I finally tell them, hey, dude, you're in luck. You got mm-hmm. you got like a seat on this bus. Yeah. Let's get there. Yeah. Yeah. He had to pass like 12 Taliban checkpoints mm-hmm. to get from his house to the bus. And so he's like, OK, I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Mm-hmm. Then he goes radio silent for like two freaking hours. Two hours. So the buses with 500 people in them are waiting and waiting. Finally, they have to leave. He's never he's never there. Uh, so three hours later, he comes on. He says, Lydia, I'm so sorry. As soon as I left, my mom, who the mom didn't want him to go, the mom was flipping out. My mom had a heart attack. Oh, my goodness. Bullshit. Oh, really? Right? Oh, okay. So anyway, oh, wow. I was just going to say, yeah, this is a That's hilarious yeah. story. Yeah. So it's it's a little bit uh, like dark humor, right? Yeah. yeah so he's like, my mom, my sister called me. My mom had a heart attack. I had to take her to the hospital. Fortunately, the doctor said everything's fine. <laughs> of course. I'm like, yeah, that's great. He's like, well, when can I go? I'm like, yeah. yeah, that was your trip, dude. Oh, that was that it. was your trip. Yeah. Fortunately, a few weeks later, we were able to, to actually get him and get yeah. him out. Phew. <laughs> He just needed. It's a to, roller coaster. Uh, he was the most unlucky dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he just needed to, uh, I guess, either see you guys if you guys were serious, or just get his his courage up. Well, and that, you know that's the thing. I mean, it's impossible for us to know. We, how could we? No one in this country can imagine what that would be like. Yeah, the and that's difficult too. With you know talking about the State Department, who who. The State Department is evacuating people, yeah. right? But they're not taking the family. They're not taking the parents. And in, in the Afghan culture, the the family unit, the immediate family, includes the parents and the siblings. Mm-hmm. And in American culture, we're kind of like, well, you know. Yeah, see you, Granny. Bye. <laughs> Wife and kids. Wait, Hello. Well, there goes and old so, Papa. Exactly. He's with, old anyway. The hell with him. So, He's old anyhow. It's, exactly. It's not as easy for them <laughs> to just pick up and leave their mom, yeah. you know, who may be yeah. sick. So good thing about Argo is we take the parents and the siblings and consider them immediate family. Okay, awesome. So uh, projectargo.com. Taskforceargo.com. Again with the Project Argo. Keeping me on my toes. www.taskforceargo.com. All right, check them out. Thank you. All right, very good. Thank you. Well, you know, you came during our Halloween episode, but I just got this tweet and I didn't see this. This is from September. Colin Quinn uh, tweeted out, I got COVID again, vaccinated twice, and had COVID last Thanksgiving. No symptoms, but tested positive. Apologize to anyone that came near me this week. And then he at tweeted the Comedy Cellar USA. And of course, like all of Colin tweets, he got 86 retweets, 20 quote retweets, and the 1,200 likes. And uh, so, and so, somebody sent that to me and said, "Surprised?" And it's like, "No, I'm not surprised." No. I mean, the same thing happened to me. I got vaccinated twice. I was in the Pfizer trial. I got um, almost a year to the day when I got COVID, and then I got COVID. I got the antibodies, and I'm fine. I didn't die. 
my um, partner, who I'm doing a video with, by the way, to promote monoclonal antibodies and early remdesivir and molnupiravir, which are you know treatments that we can give people early. Um, uh, two of them not fully approved yet, but the one certainly is. Um, but with my partner in uh, uh, you know at, at the hospital, she is half my age, has a autoimmune disorder. Her primary care didn't think to send her for the monoclonal antibodies. She's still screwed up. She got it around mm-hmm. the same time I did. We mm-hmm. didn't get it from each other. Mm-hmm. She actually had it before I did, but I know where I got it from. And I was fully PPE'd up, so that's not 100% either. Sure. Nothing is 100%, by the way, if for everybody. Just, if that's a great statement, right? Nothing. Really, nothing. nothing is 100%. Yeah. yeah. Not even that statement. But um, I uh, had lost humoral immunity. So humoral immunity is antibodies. Mm-hmm. And when those wane, it, you're more likely to catch the virus, to be infected. But the cellular immunity never goes away. So uh, I had B cells. Colin Quinn had B cells and T cells. And, uh, you know, you notice he had an asymptomatic infection. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, around our age. I guess he's probably younger than me a little bit, I guess. I don't know. Look, how, look up how old Colin Quinn is. Okay. Well, you know what? Hell with that. Let's ask Echo. Echo, how old is Colin Quinn? Colin Quinn is 62 years old. Okay, so he's older than you, but younger than me. Yes. And, um, you know, he had a completely asymptomatic infection. They just probably found it because he had to do a swab for this, that, or the other. So uh, that's the value of cellular immunity. But, yeah... Um, we know that coronavirus antibodies, for whatever reason, fade over time. That's why you can get colds over and over and over again, because a lot of them are coronaviruses. Yep. So one thing that's going to be interesting going down the pike is now that we're testing for coronaviruses, because we never did before, we didn't give a shit, um, we, we estimated about 10,000 people every year died from coronavirus infections but they were just listed as atypical pneumonia or viral pneumonia, and nobody ever tested to see what it was. Now they're going to, and we'll we'll get to see how much of a villain the quote-unquote good coronaviruses are. Yeah, I actually had a patient uh, who had undergone a bone marrow transplant, and uh, this was just at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, oh, and yeah. us really being able to test for it uh, at the hospital. You know, we do that 21 viral respiratory mm-hmm. panel where mm-hmm. we check for the 21 most common viruses that could cause a problem. And so uh, anyway, had a patient with a viral myocarditis that was a different coronavirus. But, okay, tell me what myocarditis uh, is. Inflammation of the heart muscle. There you go. There yeah. you go. So, Thank you. So a young lady with chest Give pain. Give yourself a bill! <laughs> Yeah, young lady with chest pain and a runny nose. Uh, so mm-hmm. anyway, very interesting. Fortunately, uh, she survived. But yeah, uh, good. You know, respiratory syncytial virus is one that causes colds in adults, and it almost well, there was the potential for it to kill my kid. He got it when he was five days old. Had a temp of one hundred and five as a five day old. But and I'm gonna. This is we're just all over the place today. Um, his life and his lungs were saved because a lot of kids that get it that young have asthma later on or they have pulmonary problems and the 
the nurses where we took him said, we don't even know if he's going to survive. We got to, we have to tell you this. And, uh, but he just sailed through it. You know why? Because my wife gave it to him. Uh, and with breast but milk, but she, she was gave breastfeeding. Him antibodies, yeah, yeah, and she gave so she gave it to him on the one hand, but then gave him the antibodies on yeah. the other hand. So, you know, she almost did him in, but then she saved his life. So we'll go with the second thing. They you know? found the uh, COVID nineteen so antibodies, people, right? People breastfeed your kids. It's cool. Yeah, if even you if can. it's just for a yeah. short period of time, if you can, no, or a little bit, no. Um, um, no judgment if you can't. Not everybody can, as as P.A. Lydia said. But uh, if you can, do, because there are tangible benefits. But anyway, what were you going to say? I was just, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot about breast milk and the COVID-19 antibodies. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, of course. Makes sense. Those IgA antibodies, that's the ones we don't hear about. You hear about um, IgM and IgG, but IgA antibodies are in breast milk and they're secretory, you know, uh, antibodies and uh, yeah, they 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 do things. I wonder if anybody's trying to purchase it. Ooh, oh, for consumption. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Very interesting. I don't know. I don't know, but that's Dr. an excellent Steve. question. <laughs> excellent question. We got to get on that, Scott. Yeah, that's a new business. Scott? New business model. <laughs> so. Um, Tracy from Louisiana sent us a bunch of stories, and I know each one of you brought a Halloween-themed weird medical story, and I have one about the bloody truth about vampires. But uh, Dr. Lydia, since you're the guest, you can... uh, Per uh, regulations, correct you, P.A. Lydia. Sorry, P.A. Lydia. Um, Thank you. Thank you very much. Give Give yourself a bill! Um, if you, you, since you're a guest, you can either choose to go first or you can choose to go some, at, at you know, some other point uh, of the show. You know, I'm not normally one to go first, but I will let you guys bring the the rear, uh, because it sounds like if you're talking about vampires, uh, <laughs> okay. my ending would be a letdown. Okay. What so, do you got? uh, okay. I'm in oncology. Mm-hmm. That's my primary focus, hematology and oncology. And Excellent. so, uh, I, and I don't like gross uh, things. I don't have like a big vat of gross things. I tried to read about when people used to ingest mummies back in the 16th century. Yeah, very but, tasty. Uh, anyway, ended up thinking about this one this really mummy's good. Mummies kind of dry. <laughs> so anyway, go sorry. Mummy. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there was a, a pretty cool oncology story that I thought was a little bit funny for Halloween. So, okay. dude, in. I hope uh, it's as funny as the last story. Uh, yeah, uh, you, uh, yeah, I. <laughs> I won't kidding. be back on the comedy show. No, you're fine. You're uh, fine. I'm just, I'm just with you. I know. So, dude uh, in Colombia with HIV, so human immunodeficiency virus. Uh, <laughs> okay. What? No, yeah, it's this just, is it's just hilarious, right? Right, right. Yeah, right. and and not adherent to therapy, so he's not on his antiretroviral. Okay. So super immune compromised, presents with a lot of lung uh, masses and some sur- uh, lymph nodes in the neck, yes. lymph nodes throughout the belly. Uh, anyway, looks like he has metastatic cancer, right? Sure. So eventually, uh, through several biopsies, uh, they uh, found that he had cancer from a tapeworm. What? Yeah. So. <laughs> So, uh oh. Uh oh. The worms. The worms. Yeah, so dude had presented uh, with some fever and weight loss, and they found tapeworm eggs in his stool on their check. Oh. And so, uh, what did uh, ultimately, uh, you know, they did the biopsy of these tumors, and they saw these 
crazy cells that looked malignant but were 10 times smaller than human cells. Yeah. And I did not appear human. So and they were tapeworm eggs? They were ta- no, oh. no. They were cancer. So the tapeworm what? inside this dude. So the tapeworm had lived and grown inside this dude for so long that it uh, had developed cancer. And the cancer oh! spread to the dude. Because of his compromised immune system. Exactly. So it was actually the tapeworm developed cancer. Right. And then those cells colonized. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've never never heard of a zoonotic. That would be a zoonotic metastasis. Never heard of this. Yeah, New England Journal of Medicine, 2015. Yep, here we go. Tapeworm spreads deadly cancer to human. A parasite with cancer infected a man. And the tumor cells jumped across the species line. Holy Talk moly. That's some bad fucking luck. That's some bad luck. A lot of people have tapeworms, too. Yeah, I know. I think like 75,000 people a year. More than you think. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you would know. Take tapeworms to try to lose weight. Yeah. It, what I want everyone to do, um, since this is Halloween, two things. Google image a tapeworm. It's really just imagine that thing up in your colon just eating your fecal matter and you know nutrients out of your uh out of your uh intestines and then uh i want you then to because that, if that isn't gross enough google ascaris a s c a r i s dr scott you may want to do that um just for fun mm. and uh, if you find the right thing what'll happen ascaris are roundworms and when you get enough of them, you'll eventually uh, expel them through your rectum, and you'll have this giant mass of worms uh, coming out of your rectum. And uh, I used to be <laughs> in a grindcore band called Ass Maggot, and that was the, <laughs> that was the image on our CD. <laughs> was the, this poor guy with these ascaris lumbricoides or whatever uh, worms coming out of his <laughs> rectum? It's horrible. So I sometimes I go on shows that do video, and when I do, um, the, my only thing that's any fun, because I'm not a funny person, is to have them start Google imaging stuff until they puke. Good tactic. Yeah. Yeah. My other favorite one is oral myiasis, and I'm, I'm sure you know what that is, but it's uh, uh, maggots growing in, in the uh, oral cavity, and that's pretty disgusting, usually because someone hadn't brushed their teeth in the last hundred years but anyway yeah that is a fascinating damn story and i'm going to give you give yourself a bill the Thank third you. one of those you can only get Thank three you. per show that was re- that's fascinating never in my career heard of something like that that's a good one. Oh, that poor bastard yeah oh uh, and he died uh they 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 figured it out through dna uh sequencing about 72 hours before he died, but he also had a fungal infection, so they gave him amphotericin B, amphoterable B. Yep. It's a terrible antifungal. It or, is. Uh, shut his kidneys down and then... Uh, oh, my God. And they ended up goner. killing him. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it died 72 hours after researchers determined that the tumors were called by H. Nana. So, yeah, the uh, species was... What's, what's the... Okay, okay. Hymenolepsis... No, I'm an Olympus Nana. So, well, that's yeah, something. That's sure. a good one. That's a really good one. Uh, now, I don't even want to do mine. No, me either. That was, <laughs> we're not going to be able Rapid. to top Did that. I take all it's the time? Yeah, that was a good one. No, it just, that was, we're not going to be able to beat that. What have you, what have you got? 
No, you know something I found was a, a soldier in 1782 that was that was doing a um, what wound up being like a lithotripsy on himself. Um, he what? was he was having, he was having excruciating pain in his bladder, and they 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 thought it was bladder stones. Yeah. So twelve times a day, he performed this operation on himself. It doesn't say exactly how he did it, but he was sticking a long wired uh, wax coated catheter. Um, threw his penis up into his bladder, I guess, to try to get rid of some of those stones and kind of fish him out. Did it 12 times a day for a couple of months. Okay. And, um, then what and, happened? And evidently, he did, he did pretty well. I think they said he did develop quite a, uh, an infection, but I guess he passed the stones. And all I could think about was you and I both having the modern version of that. And well, it's good that they put wax on it, yeah, you know, at least to make could, it a little slick. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. actually pretty sharp. This well, was, when was this? 1782. Well, that's not bad. That's it sounds more humane than what they did to us. Yeah, no shit. They just took that thing and just jammed Crammed it up there. It. And then and, and it, what they do, uh, PA Lydia, is they um, they because it's hard. Listen, I know there's a lot of stuff that women go through that men can't understand, but this is one of those other things. There's not very many of them, but this is one of them. And um, they take this this fiber optic scope. And then they put anesthetic jelly on it and then just cram it up your urethra. And, uh, you know, all and that. And then fuss at you if you wiggle or Yeah, all that jelly or, does is make them feel better. It does absolutely nothing yeah. for us. Now, didn't we have somebody call us that told. I talked to a urologist recently. Oh, no, I haven't talked to. Um, and they said that they do it differently now. Oh, that they actually. Fire. They actually instill the gel in your penis ahead of time and then wait 10 minutes and then do it. Okay. And then that might work. Mm-hmm. Although, is, it, is it that much bigger than like getting a cath, like a straight cath? It's actually the the tube itself is smaller, but it's got longer to go, if you know what I mean, okay. for most of us. And yeah. much less flexible, too. The, the okay. camera end is yeah, the ca- yeah, yeah, pretty rigid. Yeah, it's an okay. endoscope. And it has to yeah. pass through like yeah, the prostate endoscope. area. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just felt like yeah. I had like someone had just dragged razor blades through my oh. urethra. Hmm. Yes, and then when they're telling you not to move, not to move. And yeah. Anyone that needs to have this Fine. We, ask we, them if they have alternatives. Yeah. <laughs> ask them if they have well, laughing yeah. gas. But or... I mean, we talk about <laughs> it and we laugh about it because it's over and yeah. stuff. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't the worst pain I've ever had. It just was kind of, it seemed unnecessary that it'd be that <laughs> uncomfortable. Yeah, but like I don't not have it because exactly. of us. A, We're just being silly. It's a very important I test. I would do it again. It's a very important test. It's just, one would think there would be an easier way to do it. Yeah. Well, hey. sp- speaking of such, and then we'll get back to your story. Are you, is you, are you done with your story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I like that they put wax around it, though. At least they were trying to do something. Wax eloquent on their... <laughs> oh, stuff. Oh, no. um, First move of the day. A 43-year-old man in South Australia was the focus of a case reported in the British uh, Medical Journal after he developed calciphylaxis of the penis. Oh, boy, which led to a case of penile gangrene. Now, I'll tell you what calciphylaxis is. This occurs when calcium accumulates in the small blood vessels of the fat and skin tissues, and what it does is it just kills the skin. You'll see people sometimes with um, end-stage kidney failure that'll get calciphylaxis, and it'll look like 
um, you took, I don't know, uh, they're just sort of scooped out, really dark black, depressed, uh, well-demarcated areas on the skin, usually where there's fat. So the thighs, the abdomen, that kind of place. And um, so anyway, this guy, uh, he had the, the doctors had no choice but to leave him with a penile stump after the tip of his penis was removed. So that's um, kind of a nightmarish story. I wish I had the scary music. I might add it on later to the show itself. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, uh, I thought that was going to be more than it was. Sorry about that. I was, that I was, was thinking, well, they make we prosthesis. Should have let him, we should let him uh, go first. Right? <laughs> no, well, the, there's no prosthesis when they actually have to chop your penis off and sure. leave you with a stump. So, so I was just going to talk real briefly about... Uh, vampires, the blood-sucking vampires. Oh, oh, oh! Scary kids. Okay, never mind. Sorry. So, um, <laughs> um, there. So, myths like vampires come from something, mm-hmm. and particularly in the. Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, and even after the Renaissance, people are terrified of death, but they're also afraid of people. Uh, you, you know, um, because they're afraid of death, they there are a lot of myths and uh, um, misconceptions that arise. So, if you dig someone up after they've died, but before they've just completely become a skeleton, you will see some things. That would freak you out if you didn't know anything about physiology. And one of those is this myth that fingernails grow. They don't, okay? Fingernails do not grow after you're dead. What happens is the cuticles retract, so it looks like they do. And if you are very superstitious, and then there's this thing called... um, Let me see. uh, Let me see if I can find it here. Uh, now I can't think of the, uh, when you die, you purge. Okay, so there's this sort of oral purge where where um, uh, fluids from the stomach and other places as the, as the body digests itself will come out of the mouth. Mm-hmm. So it will look like blood on the mouth. And so now, and then the gums have retracted, so the teeth look bigger. And then you've got blood on the mouth and you've got these big, long fingernails. And it looks like, oh God, I dug this person up and they've been getting, you know, coming out of their grave in the middle of the night and uh, terrorizing our community. And particularly when you don't know what causes disease and you don't know what causes cholera or other, you know, issues, you start making stuff up. And uh, that's where the the um, myth of the vampire came from. They found a skull recently that was buried in, it looks like the 1400s, something like that, that uh, they'd put a brick in its mouth. And that supposedly was to stop it from being able to eat people. Wow. Was that in yeah. Transylvania? Or? Yeah. No, I, let me see where that was. It was somewhere in Europe. It says... Um, Vampire scares tended to coincide with outbreaks of the plague. In 2006, archaeologists unearthed a 16th century skull in Venice, Italy, that had been buried among plague victims with a brick in its mouth. 
The brick was likely a burial tactic to prevent strega, which are Italian vi- vampires or witches, from leaving the grave to eat people. Now, they said not all vampires were thought to physically leave their grave in northern Germany. Oh, boy, I don't know, I don't know any German. The Nachzerer, or that'd be nighttime devourers or after devourers, I guess, stayed in the ground chewing on their burial shrouds. Well, who cares? Just let them chew. That's all they're chewing on. They're just slipping little twigs, cheek and gum. Again, this belief likely has to do with purge fluid, which could cause the shroud to sag or tear, creating the illusion that a corpse had been chewing it. Mm. Anyway, these stationary masticators were still thought to cause trouble above ground, were also believed to be most active during outbreaks of of the plague. At least they were blaming dead people and weren't blaming exactly. poor, you know, women running around, you know, that were live, you know, herbalists and stuff trying <laughs> to sure. help people. Which is, and then whenever something bad happened, they just go kill them. Yeah, the witches. And in the ni- 1679 tract on the chewing dead. Oh, that's great. Oh, we got to name a song on the chewing dead. A Protestant theologian accused the Nachzerer of harming their surviving family members through occult processes. He wrote that people could stop them by exhuming the body and stuffing its mouth with soil and maybe a stone or a coin for good measure. So these poor bastards had the misfortune of being born then and then died probably a horrible death. And then now, you know, it's not enough. They got to dig them up and Put, you know, rocks, in put rocks in their mouth. <laughs> Without the ability to chew, the tract claimed the corpse would die of starvation. They're already dead, you dumbass. <laughs> Tales of... Oh, wait. Here, let's do this. <laughs> Tales of vampires continue to flourish in southern and eastern European nations in the 17th... And this isn't any good. ...and 18th centuries to the chagrin of some leaders by the mid-18th century... Pope Benedict the Fourteenth declared that vampires were fallacious fictions of human fantasy. I'm going to give him one of these. Thank you, sir. You know, um, I'm going to give the um, the Catholic Church some cr- a lot of credit because after the whole Galileo uh, f- fiasco. They really have been supporters of science. Sure. Um, and, uh, you know, the the Vatican astronomy program is, is you know, very vigorous. And, you know, they're, they're dedicated to just finding out the science. Because, you know, to their thinking, the heavens declare the glory of God. So it's, you know, out there to be discovered. Worth checking out. Yeah, worth checking out. That's right. <laughs> we ought to check all that out. Well, anyway. All right. You got anything, Dr. Uh, you got anything else, Dr. Scott? We could probably take some questions. Um, I did see something really cool that, that just popped up today. It's kind of Halloween-ish. Um, the scientists took first steps towards uh, pig-to-human kidney transplants. Oh. Yeah, just literally. I just saw it today. Oh. Um, so what they did, they took a, a, um, a family that had, unfortunately, a a um a female that was was um brain dead okay and with their permission they took a kidney she was a renal failure they took a kidney from a um from a pig and put it on her 
on her leg. Yes. On the outside. Yeah, inside, yeah, yeah. yeah inside That's how they her. did the first kidney transplant. Yeah. So, but the, yeah, that's how they did it with a pig, and and they said for fifty four hours it worked perfectly. It, it did not reject it immediately, um, and worked perfectly well. So wow. that, that's kind of cool. So they used a person who was brain dead. Yep. Yep. To do this because you wouldn't want. It's hard to get. I mean, it's probably not even ethical to do it on a human, even a volunteer. Yeah, even someone that desperately needs it. That's interesting. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Why did it stop at 54 hours? That was probably the term of the experiment would be my guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I didn't read the whole thing, but that would be my guess, too. Because um, now said, it would become start becoming unethical if you mm-hmm. just went on and on and on. You were keeping them alive just alive. to yeah. see if this stupid pig kidney would right. survive. Yeah, they just had yeah. to you see know. if it was if it was viable at all. But the, the good news is it did not reject it immediately. And the, the other good news was it worked. So they had to give him some sort of drug. Yeah. And he, so, did it say what anti-rejection drug they used? Was it a new one, or was it just a one that we've used for years, like Cellcept or something? Let me like look that. down here see if they see if they say anything. Yeah, we, um, Lydia did more show prep than we did today, so that's not I'm true. very impressed. No, I found no, this I know. I'm just saying. Blah, 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 it's not, I, I, it's I not a it. cut. I'm I saying it. it about myself too. Well, her, in all fairness, her her stories were way more interesting. Than yeah, ours. they really were. <laughs> so, so thanks, Lydia. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. but now we're um, nothing. Nah, nothing. Doesn't nah. say. Okay. Oh wait, no. Here we go, Doctor Steve. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, no. We'll get hellfire, Junior. <laughs> well, I'm reading as fast as I can. I know it. Revisit. Uh, we'll be here till next week at that rate. Then. All right. I'm back, oh, well. uh, Lydia. No, I hope just you're not busy us. next week at three o'clock. Hey, um, Revivacor. Revivacor. I don't know what that is. Um, you ever heard of that no, one? No, I um, still use Cellcept. Yeah. Okay, Revivacor, the technology of regenerative medicine. I don't think that's it. Yeah, that's the closest thing I can get. While you're raising hell at me for not (laughs) show prepping. Curing human disease through regenerative medicine. I don't know. But there's a pig on here. Yeah, there's a pig. On their website. It's a cute pig. It is cute. It's Arnold Ziffel. So do you you reckon they get the bacon first and then the kidney or the? (laughs) Okay. Um, That's a reasonable question. Yeah, I don't know. This is interesting. It's got pigs all over this thing. I think that's what they're doing is they're trying to – because, look, it it is really hard to get human donors for things. Mm-hmm. And we're always begging – well, not begging, but we're, you know, well, kind of almost uh, really uh, trying to work the system to get people to be donors. And then you're waiting mm-hmm. – and then someone has to be viable but brain dead at the same time. And there's just a lot going on trying to get donors. It, you know, there's still – PETA would be pissed if if we started harvesting pigs for their organs, mm-hmm. for organ transplants. But we're harvesting pigs for, as Dr. Scott mm-hmm. so aptly noted, bacon. Mm-hmm. So this would be at least a, you know, a better use of their organs. And who eats pig kidneys anyway? I was going to say, I've never seen pig kidney. No, well, not unless you, you. Not unless you've eaten a hot dog, I would say. Might probably. have to <laughs> raise them without growth hormones or something. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, <laughs> there are some interesting sausages out there that have all kinds of things. And we haven't talked about souse meat in a long time mm-hmm. on this show. Uh, if you do not know what souse meat is and you're not from the south, mm-hmm. And and there is a subset of Southerners who don't know what it is. Just Google it. That's me. Yeah, I'm you, from Georgia. I've never heard of that. You, oh, you don't know what it is? No. Is it penis or something? No. Well, it, you're close. Um, <laughs> so the souse meat is meat from pigs 
that is encased in gelatin, and then they throw some spices and like, um, like it looks like little pimentos or something. Like head cheese, almost. Sort of. Okay. And um, maybe it de- it depends on what your definition of head cheese is. But when you read the ins- the ingredients, it'll say pork snouts, pork lips, pork tails. And one time I picked up a package of souse meat. It had a circular piece of meat in it with two little <laughs> circular holes in it. It was a perfect cross-section of some poor pig's nose. <laughs> so Salsic. Yeah. Oh, my Man. goodness. So anyway, so, um, yeah, that's very interesting. I think it is Revivacor because their website is just covered with pig stuff. So that's interesting. That'd be cool, though. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, look, if we could have a ready source. I mean, our our goal is to be able to grow organs in the lab. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if we can have a ready source of viable organs that we can do kidneys, maybe even heart stuff like that. Pigs are very similar to us to the point. Do you, did you dissect a fetal pig when you were um, in PA school? Uh, no, anatomy? it was a human. High school? Oh, okay. High school. It was a human. Did you do it in high school? Well, you had a human. Yeah. Or- uh, we did not do a fetal. You didn't pig. do a no. fetal human. You did a human. I did That's a what, human. Yeah, not a fetal human. <laughs> yeah. So we had fetal pigs. We also had humans. Yeah. We had fetal pigs too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, no. Okay. Well, let's do at least one phone call. For goodness' sake. Um, let's see. Do I have a weird one? No, I do have a Dr. Scott Malarkey question. You want to do that one, Scott? Sure. Okay, let's do it. How challenging is it? Hi, Dr. Steve. Dr. Scott. It's Tony from Ohio. How are you guys? Hey, Tony. We're great. Thanks. Awesome. Good. Good. I'm not too shabby either. Good. I have a question. This is probably more of Dr. Scott's alley, and it's about Chinese medicine. I watch these uh, ASMR videos quite often. I notice there's some kind of diagnostic technique where the doctor uses this dull instrument to press on a certain area of a person's ear. And when they do that, they can figure out if they have a foot issue, an ankle issue, something in their spine, or you know, if, if he or she has problems internally. I guess my question is, how can one diagnose these issues just by pressing on that person's ear, like on their earlobe or the inner ear? It's, it's really interesting, and I'm fascinated by it. How is that? And would you recommend acupuncture if, you know, I, I ever have some of those kind of issues? I appreciate it, and thank you so much, and uh, keep up the great work during all the COVID bullshit. Okay. Hey, thanks, man. Cool. Man. Uh, that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Uh, before you answer, I'll tell people a couple of things about you. Okay. Number one, Dr. Scott, is uh, he practices what we call complementary medicine as opposed to, quote-unquote, alternative medicine in the sense that he complements what we do. So uh, he and I uh, work together in a small rural community, and all the patients that I saw that I couldn't figure out what the hell they had but they felt bad, I'd send them to Dr. Scott, and he would make some – what we would call some god awful, you know, cra- you know, <laughs> diagnosis, you know, their third pulse is in the is in mercury or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, but they would come back and they would always feel better, mm-hmm. and that's all I cared about at that point because I'd ruled out all this stuff that was going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Scott will, and I'm, I know you'll say this, but they may not believe it if you say it. But he, he'll be the first to tell you, look, if you've got metastatic cancer, go to the oncologist. And get that treated. Come back and see me for the, I mean, see Doctor Scott for the nausea and all you know the fatigue and all that kind of fatigue, stuff. But get the, you know. But anyway, so yeah. So uh, oh, and the other thing is the one time I went to Scott, um, it was a pretty transformative experience. To be honest with you, he checked my pulse, and they have more than one pulse that they can detect. 
um, don't understand that one. But he could tell. He said, oh, you're constipated. And it's like, you know, hell, that is true. Now, mm-hmm. of course, in uh, the, in the United States, it's sort of like cold reading. If you say, oh, you're constipated, 60, 70 percent of the time people are going to go, wow, that's sure. awesome. But sure. it, it really was true. And uh, But Dr. Scott also, um, I mean, he said it with such definitive knowledge. And then, um, you know, he gets you laying down and, um, you know, starts to... Um, I don't know, you know, rub on you a little bit and there you uh, go. talk nice and soft in your ear. No, he was doing, um, uh, putting the needles in, and then they turn out the lights and start playing the spa music, and you can't help but relax. So mm-hmm. that's always going to be good for you. Yeah, there's a huge you know. placebo effect. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not even yeah, saying yeah. that. Yeah, well, yeah, but I, that's part <laughs> I'm of saying the, it's good for you. Yeah, it, it, it's a, it is good for you. But, you know, the... Um, but anyway, so... so uh, yeah, the pulse. Go ahead. Yeah, the pulse thing. The pulse thing is interesting. We, you know, we, we do do a lot of diagnostic stuff with pulse readings. It's a whole another. It's a whole another show topic. Um, but what this guy is talking about, Doctor Steve, is a thing called a point locator. Okay. And it's a little. It's a little machine. Oftentimes, it's battery operated, or sometimes they'll have it. They'll have it wired into a hard wired into to a machine, mm-hmm. and it and it just measures electric electrical conductivity. Okay. So it'll show increase increase activity in certain certain points okay. through the skin, and that's I mean this is you know electronically and technologically you're 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 far more adept at this stuff. But what they'll do is they'll poke around and they'll find where there's there's a greater um, you know resistance on yeah. on this on this on this probe. And that tells you where to put the needles. Sometimes it's on the helix of the ear. They do, do you go you, all you, over you, the you helix. You do it all over the body. Oh, do it all over the body. Yeah. Okay. And it, it, so what this guy's describing is is when they do it on the ear. And the ear is intri- interesting because there there are some really um, beneficial um, terminal branches. Oh, absolutely, of, of certain there are. Numbers, yeah, to to the ears. And just really quickly, the one that I use the most is is a vagus nerve stimulator. Yeah. So I've got someone with you know vagus nerve issues or, or well, people go well the vagus nerves in the body. How does it, how yeah. does how do you get that in the ear? But there is a terminal branch yeah. that's in the helix of the ear. You know the the part of the ear that you make fun of when people have ears big ears. <laughs> that's right. And, and that's kind of why why some people use those probes. And I actually had a a lady not too long ago ask me if I used that to identify. Yeah. Spots because she'd had really good success in a, in a weight loss program where they identified it with these with these with these these locators, and then put the needles in these exact spots. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's there there. I would say if, if you can stimulate the vagus nerve in the ear. Yep. With a and you can shut down uh, a thing called claudication from and claudication is when you have pain when you exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a thing called peripheral neuropathy. This has been demonstrated. Mm-hmm. Yes. And peripheral, uh, not peripheral neuropathy, sorry, peripheral vascular disease. So people who have poor circulation and they don't get enough uh, blood to their um, to their muscles when they exercise because there's increased demand mm-hmm. and the, the muscles will start to cramp up. Yep. Yep. And it you can actually pain, yep. make that better by stimulating that branch of the vagus nerve it's not really the vagus nerve anymore but the nerve that you know is connected to the vagus nerve that's in right. the ear wow. right yeah and i'll use it a lot to, a lot of times if we can get medicare to pay for it yeah. it'd be great yeah. i'll use it a lot of times for uh, that vagus nerve point for for gag reflexes if somebody didn't love going to the dentist and um so yeah the, yeah the, what it, the, this there's a great question and uh, yes that it is a tool that we use and yes it does work so. yeah. yeah well the 
Okay. It's yeah. a tool that you use, whether it works or not. Oh, here but, we go. But there are. <laughs> here we go. I just don't. I'm going to bring it over and stick see if I can okay. find any, any electrical points in your noggin. Let's <laughs> see if there's your, any activity your, your, your in COVID, there. Your COVID brain. I just got muddy water in there. <laughs> well, listen, uh, thanks always goes to Dr. Scott. Thank you, uh, PA Lydia. And uh, go ahead and plug the, let me see if I can get it right this time. No, I'm, I keep wanting to say Project Argo, but it's Task Force Argo. Yeah. Yay. Okay, yes. I'll give myself one. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Give yourself a bill. All right. Taskforceargo.com. Sure. And uh, donate if you are can get involved, get involved. If you are a uh, an attorney, an immigration attorney particularly, that doesn't mind doing a little pro bono work to really do something good for somebody, uh, give them a shout. So anyway, thanks for coming. Thank you, guys. Thank all right. you. And uh, we can't forget, and actually all of your stories were better than ours, and you did show prep and we didn't. So, you know. <laughs> show off. <laughs> we can never have you back That's again. That's what PAs do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. I think you're right. We can't forget Rob Sprantz, Bob Kelly, Greg Hughes, Anthony Cumia, Jim Norton, Travis Teft, that Gould girl, Lewis Johnson, Paul Ofcharsky, Chowdy1008, Eric Nagel, the Port Charlotte Horror, uh, PA Lydia, uh, the Saratoga, not that I'm calling you that, that's I'm just saying we have a listener called the Port Charlotte Horror, the Saratoga Skank, Roland Campos, sister of Chris, Sam Roberts, she who owns pigs and snakes, Pat Duffy, Dennis Falcone, Cardiff Electric, uh, Matt Kleinschmidt, Dale Dudley, Holly from the Gulf, Steve Tucci times three, the great Rob Bartlett, Vicks Nether Fluids, Carl's Deviated Septum, uh, Jen's uh, Wacky Husband, and um, Casey's uh, Wet T-Shirt, Bernie and Sid, Martha from Arkansas's Daughter, Ron Bennington, and Fez Watley, the great dear departed Fez Watley, who we will never forget whose support of this show has never gone unappreciated. Listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. And many thanks to our listeners whose voicemail and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules and podcasts and other crap. Until next time. Check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thank you, P.A. Lydia. Thank you. Thank you. Not you. Yeah. <laughs>